This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about finding balance with money. And with me today, I have financial planner Julie Chadwick. Hi, Mary. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I think it's kind of hard for sometimes, you know, people to find balance with money. Right. Balance and not just money <laughs> in life and, you know, and work, all those things are usually kind of difficult. So Exactly. I think that that's because the reality of it is money doesn't come with instructions. <laughs> And so, you know, when you think about how are you supposed to handle money when there's no real strong instruction book for it, you kind of got to fill things out and figure things out for yourself. Kind of like parenting. <laughs> You're yeah. just kind of thrown into it and hopefully you have good people <laughs> around you to give you the good pointers. So that's kind of what we're here today to help do. That's a really good analogy because like parenting, it's much easier to know what not to do with money <laughs> than what it is to do with money, right? right? It's yep. easier to, to say, well, avoid these mistakes versus saying, here's what to actually do like here's a guide to help you with finding balance with money and and I think that the 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 truth of this is is that when you find balance with money what it's really doing is two things number one it's building your confidence surrounding your finances and number two it's creating an additional level of choice in your life because the reality is that that's what money does gives you options it does so we call that a money philosophy. A money philosophy is what's your inherent belief system about what money does for you in your life. And at Stirk Financial, our money philosophy is this. It's it's not that money buys you happiness or a sense of security. It's not about what physical things the money can actually buy you. What we feel that money does is it buys you choices. And within those choices creates a level of freedom for you to live your life the way that you want to do it. Because when you have money, you can spend it however you want and (laughs) you have lots of choices. But when you don't have money, then your choices are very limited for what you want to do in your life. Right. And trying to find that balance is tough. So if you spend too much, you end up in debt. If you spend too little, you're just miserable because you're not spending anything at all. Maybe you're saving everything. So it's a really hard balance to try and to try and get that just right on the money. Yeah. And here's the right on the money. (laughs) That was a good one. (laughs) Here's the thing is that this balancing thing is very elusive, but it's partly elusive because we don't know how long we're going to live. We don't know how much money we're going to need in the future for things. We don't know what kind of emergencies are going to pop up that can derail us financially. And because there's all these unknowns, it really is kind of difficult to know exactly what to do with your money. Right. Those variables, any one of those things can really throw you off track. If you were maybe just getting set in and and thinking you were doing real good, well, then one of those things will pop up and you're like, oh. But the good news is it's not, you know, to get completely thrown off track. By having a system in place, it kind of helps you be able to jump right back in. Exactly. So when you think about finding balance with money, let's kind of define a little bit about what that means. And and I, I am sensitive to the fact that it's going to mean different things to different people. Mm-hmm. But the truth about balance with money is that it comes down to this, that you have enough to live comfortably now. You have enough set aside to handle things if an emergency comes up and that you're consistently saving enough so that in the future when you're no longer able to work, you're still comfortable then. Right. So really those are kind of the three pillars of balance with money. 
And when you think about money, kind of think of it like a three-legged stool, right? If any one of the legs of your stool is too short, your stool's kind of (laughs) tippy. You're going to fall right over. (laughs) (laughs) No balance. Right. But if all three of the legs of your stool are balanced, then you really are going to be able to sit confidently upon that stool. (laughs) And that's really the whole thing with finding balance with money is making sure that all of those things are working for you so that you have a solid foundation. Right. When we're doing our planning, we talk to people about it that way. And those things that you just said fall in the lines of our bucket planning where we're talking about your emergency fund, having that money set up, your planned expenses, and then your retirement planning. You need Mm -hmm. to have all those three things lined up and then the right amounts going into each one of those all the time. Yeah, and that's the tricky part is that the right amounts going into each kind of, you know, these areas are different for everybody. Mm -hmm. So some people, let's talk about that retirement, you know, side, that retirement leg of the stool for a second. Some people have a pension, And therefore, they might not need to devote as many of their current dollars to saving for retirement because they have a great pension that's going to help them out. Right. That's going to provide a lifetime income either just for them or for them and a spouse if that's the way they chose it. Exactly. But if you don't have a pension and the only thing is that you're going to rely on is Social Security, which the future of is murky, (laughs) then you do have to devote more of your dollars today to retirement tomorrow. So you can see how people with a pension versus without a pension have a completely different strategy or should have a completely different strategy in place for what to save, how much to save for retirement. And it's the same thing for, you know, that balance in your emergency money too. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of different rules of thumbs about how much emergency money someone should have. You can get on the internet and search that and you're going to find a flat number. Like you should have 5,000 or you should have $10,000. You're going to find you should have three months of your income or six months of your income. And so, of course, that number is going to be different Mm -hmm. for everybody. But the reality is you need to have enough money in your emergency fund for you to feel comfortable. And that number is going to be a number that resonates deep in your gut of knowing I have at least this much money in the bank if something happens and I feel good about that number. Right, because what doesn't stop if something happens to you, that's why we call it an emergency fund. If you have an accident, you're in the hospital, the bills still have to be paid. The right. taxes still have to be paid. So those are the things that have to keep going. So when you say, you know, saving a much, enough income, three to six months or whatever that number is, it's really enough that's going to keep the lights on. <laughs> yeah. And I do think, I, I guess I'm a proponent of saying that for most people, that comfort number is a gut check number. But if it's not at least around three months of your net income about how much you're bringing in that's used to cover your bills, then I would be concerned that you're a little shy of target. Mm-hmm. Because if something does happen to you, let's just say you have an accident, a lot of times if you have disability coverage at work, it doesn't kick in for 90 days. Exactly. And so how are you going to take care of your bills during those 90 days, much less the medical bills that, you know, might be coming in on top of your normal spending. Right. And then that disability is not going to be a hundred percent of what you were making. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, or if you would lose a job unexpectedly, how long can you go without having a paycheck coming in? And a lot of Americans live paycheck to paycheck was a little scary. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, having that emergency money there enough to feel comfortable with is part of having good balance. Mm -hmm. But then the last leg of the stool is being comfortable in what you're doing today. And I think that sometimes people can tilt out of whack and get way too worried about saving for the future, and then they don't enjoy today. 
And the part of the balance that's important here is knowing that well, we don't know what the future is. Right. <laughs> or if there even is one yep. for everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's different for everybody. Yeah. We don't know how long you're going to live. We don't know what your financial situation is going to be in the future. And so when you're, when you're thinking about living comfortably for today, then, you know, it's important not to overextend yourself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we've seen people who have bought a big, big, big house and then they can't afford to furnish it, you know, (laughs) or they have overextended themselves with multiple payments and lots of credit card debt because they haven't had the discipline to say no to themselves about Mm -hmm. buying this extra stuff. And so living comfortably for today means that the income that you have coming in is enough to pay your bills, provide some entertainment, set aside money in that emergency fund and set aside money for retirement. And living comfortably for today has to include all of that to really be in good balance with your money. Yeah, and I think a lot of times that's what people usually leave out is that part that you said, just have a little fun with it because you're, you're fo- you know, if you are diligent mm-hmm. and you are focusing on trying to get everything planned, you really kind of cut yourself short. And that's what kind of is a killer of the plans because if you're working all the time and not enjoying any of it, you're going to get burnt out real quick. So you right. got to have some skin in the game and have some discipline in there, but you want to have some fun too. Yeah, and I think the fun factor is really important because you have to have if, that. You, if you don't include that in your life and you're always just focused on saving for tomorrow or debt reduction or things like that generally speaking you will rebel against your own plan at some point in time and you'll go splurge on something and then right. be like oh shoot I've messed it all up but you know so if you allow yourself that fun and you plan it then it's not going to be damaging to what your strategy is right Congratulations to Mary Stirk for being named the 2020 Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list for the third year running. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about finding balance with your money. Now, what we defined earlier in the show is that balance really comes down to three different things. It's living comfortably today, having enough set aside to cover emergencies if they come up or when they come up, and then also setting aside enough so that when you're no longer working in the future that you have enough set aside to live comfortably them. And that's really what balance is all about. Now, sometimes in life, though, curveballs get thrown at us. (laughs) That's a given. That's pretty much not if they're going to happen. It's going to be when. (laughs) Right. But sometimes they're very positive curveballs. And sometimes we have what we call a windfall of Mm -hmm. money. It can be an unexpected bonus of several thousand dollars. It could be an inheritance of hundreds of thousands of dollars. It could be lottery winnings of millions of dollars. I mean, who knows what kind of windfall it is that, that you might have come into your life. But there are some strategies with windfall money that can be used that really do help you balance things. And we want to talk a little bit about that. It's the rule of thirds. (laughs) Yep, the rule of thirds. So what the rule of thirds says is that when you have a windfall, regardless of how much it is, any unexpected amount of money is considered a windfall. But when you have a windfall, to break it down into thirds and apply it this way, take the first third and apply it towards debt reduction. So use it to wipe out credit cards or car debt or put it down on the principal on your mortgage or whatever. Just an extra payment on something. Yes. So one third of whatever your windfall is, utilize that for debt reduction. 
take the next third and set that aside for retirement. So whether it's an addition to your retirement accounts, whether it's a new account that you set up that's earmarked for retirement, however makes sense in your strategy to set that up, but one third of a windfall should go towards future so that you're padding that future retirement. And then the last third, go have some fun with it. (laughs) Enjoy it today. Blow it on something. Go have a trip. Have a good experience. Whatever makes the most sense to you. But use one-third of that one fall money to actually enjoy something with it today. And that kind of rule of third thinking really does help you balance things when windfall money comes in. And it also helps you stay on track. Like we were talking mm-hmm. earlier in the show, if you don't take that time for yourself or you're not you know, figuring all three of those buckets there that you're filling, you're really probably going to be wearing out or getting burnt out down the road if you don't take that time for yourself or maybe don't put enough in retirement or something. So it's yep. good to have that balance. Now, sometimes people say, oh, well, I really like this strategy, but I don't have any debt. And thumbs up to you. Awesome. (laughs) That's you and you don't have any debt. So if you don't have debt, then take that second third and throw that into the retirement pile. Mm -hmm. So then it would be two thirds to retirement and one third to enjoying it today. And, And the reason for that is because most people haven't saved enough for the future to live comfortably. And so doing that is really just going to help set yourself up for the most successful retirement. Right. And in the long haul, it might help you maybe enjoy that retirement earlier. Just by you putting any little extra amount in is going to make a big difference for you. And who wouldn't want to retire earlier? Yeah. We have people, (laughs) I've never had one, someone come in and say, I don't help me retire early, Julie. That's right. I want to work longer. (laughs) You might want to do that because you love your job, and I get that. But Having to work and wanting to work are two very, very different things. Right. That's the favorite part of my planning is when I can figure out for someone and help them understand when work becomes optional. Right. Exactly. What a point of freedom, right? (laughs) That's what finding balance with your money is all about, is finding those freedom points where you know that you kind of have things figured out and you feel comfortable and solid with your planning. Right. Okay. So... Sometimes people think that finding balance with their money means that they have to live within a budget. And we call the budget the B word around our office. <laughs> it's not a, you know, a B word that's, you know, joyful or happy. No, nobody <laughs> likes the word budget. <laughs> people shy away, turn away, hang up the phone, whatever. They don't like the word budget. Right. And and understandably why. It's very restrictive usually. You think of a budget as something that's going to take away things that you want to do. And and the truth is, for some people, that is what it does, right? right? I mean, if you are overspending or if you're not somebody that can live comfortably on the income that you're bringing in now, a budget is something that's going to rein in what you're spending, and you're going to have to make tough choices of what you have to stop doing. Right. A lot of times when people en- end up do sitting down and doing the budget, they're actually glad because it just kind of shines the light on mm-hmm. maybe what they're overspending on and they weren't paying attention to it. So not necessarily just you know taking away or being restrictive, just saying, hey, here's an opportunity where we can really make a big difference and turn our retirement savings around by these little itty-bitty things. Right. And, and again, that all comes down to choices. Yep. You have the choice of what to do with your money. So if you're choosing to spend six dollars a day going and getting a starbucks coffee and you know a croissant versus saving for retirement and that's not getting you to where you want to be then you have the choice to make those adjustments but back to the budget especially when it comes to retirement planning don't let the thought of budgeting 
freak you out and scare you because there's an easy way to kind of do budgeting and then there's a hard way to do it. The harder way to do it really is to actually go through and think about how much you're spending on a whole bunch of different items. Almost everything, yeah. Just kind of keep track of tabs of every single thing you're spending on almost. Now, we, of course, have a great (laughs) budget tool. So if you're thinking that you might want to try to figure out what you are spending on stuff and you would like a tool to keep track of that, then just reach out to us and we're happy to send you our budget tool. Um, My guess is that nobody's going to call to request that. (laughs) (laughs) If you do, we're going to be pleasantly surprised and happily to offer it to you. It probably means you're a little bit of an Excel spreadsheet junkie like we are. Yeah. And we love that too. (laughs) But there is an easier way to do it. And especially when it comes to retirement planning, we call that the income gap planning. So income gap planning is trying to figure out how much you're going to need to live on without going through the stress, the headache, the meticulousness of a full-blown budget. An income gap planning basically says, here's how much income's coming into your household before you retire. Like what, from your jobs, your salary, Mm -hmm. your work, right? And then once you're done working, here's how much income is coming in then, which is probably going to be less than what you had before. So there's a gap between the two. But then it takes it a step further and does some thinking about, well, okay, when you do retire, are there certain expenses that are going to be gone now? Like maybe you have the expense of commuting to work and now you're not going to have that commute and that gas. Maybe you have a significant budget for buying work clothes and you're not going to have that anymore. Maybe by the time you retire, your mortgage is going to be paid off and you're not going to have that anymore. So we look at it just in terms of thinking through what expenses are no longer going to be there in retirement that you have today. Then on the flip side, we have to add in what new expenses might come up. Right. And the biggest one that everybody has is healthcare. Healthcare. That's exactly right. So while you've been working, you might have been on a company sponsored plan. Good group plan, yep. That plan may be able to continue for a while, but it's going to be on your nickel. Or you may be eligible for Medicare, which has cost. Or you may have to go on private health care, which also has significant cost. So when we're doing this income gap planning, we have to figure out what are the new expenses that you're going to have, especially connected to health care. And the other big one that people frequently add in is more travel, yep. at least in the first few years of retirement. So what's coming in now? What's going to come in later? What new expenses might you have? What kind of expenses are you getting rid of? And that's all going to bring us down to what's called the income gap, the actual number that you're going to have to take out of your investments every year just to maintain the current standard of living that you have. Right. And if that number, if that gap is too big, you probably can't retire quite so soon. Mm -hmm. But if that gap is something that can be supported by your investments, then game on. Let's talk about the fact that work is optional. (laughs) Maybe you can retire now. Yep. (laughs) It's a really good way to be able to get some real good finite numbers and understand, you know, be able to calculate it correctly to understand that, hey, Mm -hmm. this is actually when, how much longer I have to work. So it's not, maybe it's, hey, you can retire earlier, or maybe if, hey, you stick around one more year, put some extra effort in, this is when you can retire. Exactly. Yeah. Really comfortably understand the numbers. So with understanding your numbers, 
generally comes confidence. Mm-hmm. So it's the unknown that is scary for most people. It's that fear of what could happen, what's the worst case scenario. And that's what good financial planning really does is it sheds the light on what's the most probable scenario, what's maybe the best case, and what is the worst case scenario. And once you know the answers to those things, you can take action. You can mm-hmm. take educated action about what's actually best for you. And that's a great way to help you find balance with your money. Right. I have a client that I'm working with right now who is literally just deathly afraid to hand over that budget. She was like embarrassed and and thinking, wow, I'm spending way too much. And when I sat down and actually did the planning with her and kind of showed her, she and I haven't actually got back together with her, but she's going to be pleasantly surprised to see (laughs) that, hey, you know what? You're not like out of the norm. I mean, that's kind of, you Mm -hmm. know, in the lines of where everyone is at and the way that you've planned and saved it's going to all work out. So that's the fear that we get from people. Yeah, she's probably going to have the people that Mm -hmm. come in usually have a big fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. So that high level of confidence that we can help provide afterwards, like you said, gives you, you know, an educated way to make decisions. Yep. Now let's talk a little bit about debt real quickly. So debt can be the killer of all good financial plans. Um, if it's not managed well. Now, there are certainly some types of debt that are okay to have, Mm -hmm. um, especially if the debt is anchored to an asset that is appreciating. So what do I mean by that? If you have a good house, your house is probably increasing in value. Now, not by a lot, but it could certainly have the potential to increase in value over time. That is an asset that is appreciating, meaning getting more valuable. And if you have debt attached to that, that's an okay kind of debt to have. A lot of times we see land, people who are mm-hmm. landowners, sometimes the land, you know, the land that they have is going to be appreciating or currently is appreciating. That's another thing that they might have debt on when they come into retirement. Yep. Um, debt attached to depreciating assets is not as good of debt. So that might be like a vehicle. So if you have major amounts of vehicle debt, that can be a red flag when it comes to your planning or your balance with money. And debt that is attached to something that is not even a depreciating asset, just a bunch of stuff that you've bought, like credit cards, that is the worst kind of debt to have. And that's the kind of debt that you want to work to get rid of the fastest. So keep in mind that debt management, it's not bad to have some debt. It just can be bad if your ratio of your debt is too high versus your income, or if the type of debt you have is not anchored to an appreciating asset. So how do we fix that? (laughs) How do we help tackle that one? (laughs) That one we help tackle with what's called a debt snowball. And a debt snowball is something that Dave Ramsey actually came up with. A debt snowball is all about figuring out how do you position extra payments in the best way possible in order to um, eliminate debt in the fastest and most efficient way possible. And that's something that if there is a debt issue, it really is more specialized planning because it can be tackled in several different ways. But the bottom line is getting your debt balanced is a huge part of making sure that you have balance with money. So we've talked about a lot of things in terms of your relationship with money and finding balance there. And we hope that these tips and strategies have given you some insight into how you can make sure that all three legs of your money financial planning stool are balanced well and that you feel confident about the financial strategies that you have in place. So thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks including loss of principal invested. 
past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Sterk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049 and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data, rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The award is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.